You are listening to the I Love You Too Much to Argue podcast with your host Holly and her trusty sidekick Beck. Hey Beck. Hey Holly. Are you ready to talk about the birds and the bees today? Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Such a great topic. I think yes. we could, well, there probably already exists a bunch of podcasts just solely on this topic. But anyway, I am excited about this. Do you know, I had a funny thing happen this week where I was talking about podcasts with someone and we couldn't figure out where the term podcast came from. Mm. So I looked it up. Do you know what it, where it came from? I have no idea. Please tell me. Okay, so it, it's obviously a fairly new term because podcast is really just like your own radio show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked it up and podcast comes from kind of two words. So the first word being iPod, which I didn't realize it came from that, and the second word being broadcast. Ah. So it's like a broadcast on your iPod, and mm-hmm. obviously people don't just use iPods to have a podcast. But Not that's anymore. Where it came from. There you go. I didn't. I know was that. so fascinated by that. Yes. Hmm. So we have our own iPod broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many listeners we have now. Do you think our oh, three listeners least, is growing? At least five and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good hey um I've been meaning to tell you about my plant remember I cut off a Mm. leaf on my or a little stem from my rubber plant and I've been propagating it in a glass of water on my kitchen windowsill I reckon for nearly six months and it's yeah it's got about three roots growing you kept telling me that you're going to give up and I kept telling you don't (laughs) I just wanted to give up so many times but it's not ready to plant yet but okay I'm it's it's growing and it's actually starting to sprout a new leaf in the <gasps> so That's exciting. So I know, I know. So you just cut off some of the rubber plant, did you? I did, yes. I did. How many leaves were on it originally? It had three yeah. and it lost one of them because one of my kids knocked it off the windowsill and it broke and I was devastated. Right. I was worried it was going to die, but it didn't. And now, so it's got two leaves, two leaves remaining and is yeah. now sprouting a new tiny little leaf and about three or four roots at the bottom of the stem in the water. That's so exciting. I know. I can't wait till I can well, pot it. I recently got a book about indoor plants from the op shop. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's from the Reader's Digest and it was published in like the 80s or something. And when I opened it up, there was in the very back folded up was a vintage TV week poster of Alf. You remember Alf? I remember Alf. My sister had an Alf doll. She loved that show. Okay. Well, if anyone wants a vintage poster of Alf, let me know because I have got one and you can have it. We should have Um, a competition or something and give it away as the prize. (laughs) But before we get into the birds and the bees, I just wanted to talk to you about your rubber plant. Mm. So I don't know if you know this. So do you know the, technical name for the rubber plant no like the botanical name no so the bot- the botanical name is ficus elastica oh yes do you know another plant that starts with ficus no you're the plant expert not me tell me well i didn't know this until i got this book so another plant that's like there's lots of different ficuses mm-hmm. there's like 800 species or whatever wow. but the other common one is called the fiddle leaf <gasps> they're related they're related. So the fiddle leaf is the ficus, I can't even say it, <laughs> L-Y-R-A-T-A. Right. Lorata. There you go. Ficus lorata and the ficus elastica. Mm. Didn't so realise they were related, yeah. 
Very fascinating. I love plants. Anyway, so we are talking today about the birds and the bees, specifically how to talk to your kids about the birds and the bees, what happens when you do, how to normalize talking about your body, etc., etc. I don't know about you, Beck, but I remember when I first learned about the birds and the bees. And it was from some older boys that were like family friends of ours. And I can remember one of them said to me, do you know what sex is? And I didn't. And so I said no. And then he told me and I can just remember, and I I was in primary school. I don't remember how old exactly, but I can just remember him telling me what sex was and me thinking, ew, that's so gross. (laughs) And then I don't know how long after it was, after that it was, but my mum said to me one day, we were just doing, I don't know what we were doing chatting about something and then all of a sudden I must have been sitting on her lap for some reason I remember her saying to me well I guess I'm going to have to tell you about the birds and the bees soon and for whatever reason I knew that what my this older boy had told me that sex was I knew somehow that that was the birds Mm. and the bees and I remember thinking at the time oh my gosh I already know what that is but what if I get in trouble for already knowing so I better pretend I don't so I can distinctly remember saying oh what's that mum how old do you think you were? Well, I was primary school. I reckon I must have been grade four or five. Okay. Like I was the eldest in my family. Mm-hmm. So for my parents, it was probably a big deal to then go, oh, I, this isn't something that we thought we'd have to do yet or mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> so that's how I kind of remember it. And then I think my mum read me one of those books, like anyone from the 80s, the Where Did I Come From book mm-hmm. would have been the go-to. Yep. How about you? Yeah, I remember that book being on our shelf. I never remember it being read to me. I uh-huh. I remember it being there and I'm sure that I read it myself, but there was never yes. a time where we like sat down and, and read the book or I, d- I honestly don't even remember a chat about it. Um, uh-huh. I, I probably found out more information at like a, a school health class or something. Um, I, yeah, right. I do remember this one time and I think it was around the time we'd done this health class that – uh, I was grocery shopping with my mum and she bought something I'd never seen her buy before. Mm. And so I was asking her what it was and I, I don't really remember the whole thing. And I, I doubt very much my dad was shopping with us at the time because he worked. So he didn't, he wasn't, didn't usually come and do the grocery shopping. And so maybe it was later when I continued to ask about it and he was around and, and he was so adamant that my mum was not to tell me what it was. And I remember her saying, <laughs> but they're learning about it at school. And he was like, nope, don't talk about it. Like he was obviously just so embarrassed. And so I had, I kind of just worked out on my own that it was a box of condoms that she didn't tell me, I don't think. So wow. I think, yeah, it was my, my dad in particular would have been a bit embarrassed to talk about that. I think obviously this isn't, isn't everyone's experience for, you know, growing up in the, or children of the eighties or nineties, mm-hmm. but I know that it's very common that parents of that time, you know, they were very intentional about having the talk, Mm -hmm. but it was like a one-time thing. And it was like, you don't ever talk about it. And then, oh, finally, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're talking about it in this very small window. And then that window's closed. That's it. It's all over. Uh Uh, I've done a lot of reading about this stuff over the years because, you know, having a large family and also wanting to do things differently for, you know, a different generation. Mm -hmm. I have no, um, no, you know, hard feelings about anything in terms of how I was taught about this stuff because that was just how it was yeah, done. Yeah, it was, the it was time normal, and was right? Normal and it was mm-hmm. fine for then. But, you know, for now I wanted to 
do things a little bit differently. So one of the things that I came across is talking about the idea of normalizing talking about your body. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just meaning in regards to the birds and the bees or sexual function mm-hmm. or sex organs, just normalizing talking about your body and any parts of your body. Mm-hmm. And in something that I read years ago, it talked about the idea that whenever your child comes to you, and this doesn't just relate to children who are in primary school or teenagers, it relates to any time your child comes to you. So if you're listening to this and you think the birds and the bees is so far away for me because my children is my child is a toddler or I'm only just pregnant or whatever, it's actually relevant mm-hmm. from the very first moment your baby is born because normalising talking about your body parts actually helps later on to make everything normal and talking about it. Mm -hmm. So when your child comes to you and says something about their body, whatever part of their body it is, whether they've stubbed their toe and it hurts, whether they've got a scratch on their arm and it hurts, um, taking the time to talk and care about that particular thing for them actually sets a foundation of this is how we're going to talk about our body and this is how we take care Mm -hmm. of our body. So So really... So really focusing on not uh, brushing it off or not disregarding things when our children come to us Mm -hmm. with specific things, talking about their body. So I know it's very common for children to have stomach aches, for example, and sometimes that can be related to anxiety or digestive issues or whatever it Mm -hmm. is, but it's easy as a parent to get lots of different requests about ailments and for it to be really tiring. (laughs) And (laughs) I know that I've been guilty of it myself Mm -hmm. in going, oh my gosh, you know, another ailment. Mm -hmm. But I think it really helps to set up a foundation of if you if it's normal to talk about your body, if it's normal to talk about problems within your body mm-hmm. or even good feelings within your body, then it sets a foundation for your children to come to you later on as well with things that might be a little bit more of hot topics. Mm-hmm. So one of the things uh, that I really has impressed upon me, and I've done this with my kids and not everyone does, and that's completely up to you, but one of the things that's really important of what I've read is actually using the correct names for body parts Mm -hmm. did you what what were your childhood body part names did you have different names or we totally did um and this is actually kind of embarrassing because (laughs) it's uh we would refer to a penis as a willy that's quite common and normal and that that was fine Uh but uh, my, I, I think it might've come from my gam- grandparents, to be honest, but uh, our vaginas were referred to as Millie's. And I, I know, that's what I mean. <laughs> like, where did that come from? I don't know. But, mm. um, and so I remember like m- first married and talking to my husband, it took me a long time to even tell him that's what we would refer to it as. Cause I, I don't mm-hmm. even understand where it came from, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, that's what we, that's what we called it. I mean, the reason that they recommend calling it the correct names is because when you don't, it can then create shame around talking about your body parts like normal parts. If you always refer to your vagina as a Millie, Uh it can create this, uh, you know, taboo around the word vagina Mm -hmm. and it can feel almost like wrong to say but also wrong to have a conversation about it. Yes, and I can totally relate to that. And and even... Because the name, it wasn't common to refer to it as that. I couldn't even talk about it in that sense, except for mm. with my grandparents or my parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can totally relate to that. 
the other thing it does too is I've noticed like other people, you know, who maybe don't use the correct terms or other kids who haven't heard the correct terms as normal terms. Mm -hmm. You can see when those words are used around them that they think it's really funny and like they get all giggly. And of course, there's nothing wrong with getting giggly Mm -hmm. about it, but it shows that it's not normalized. Yes. And when it's not normalized, it's more difficult to talk about. Mm -hmm. And in my family anyway, I want to create a space where it's normal to talk Mm -hmm. about your body parts and it's not and it's okay to use the correct terms and it's okay to say oh you know my penis is sore Mm -hmm. or you know whatever I remember when I first had to get a bra Mm -hmm. I had obviously my mum had noticed that I had started to blossom (laughs) and but there'd been no conversation about needing a bra or there'd been no conversation about one day you'll need a bra it was mm-hmm. just we're walking through target one day and we're walking past the bra section and all of a sudden mum says okay we're going in here you're getting a bra today and that was that was that <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if my mum had I, I need to ask her I don't know if my mum had thought about it beforehand and we were going to target that day and that's what she'd intended mm-hmm. to do or whether or not you know, she was a busy mum as well with lots of kids and she was a nurse working night duty. I don't know if it was just chance that, oh, here we are at the shops. That's right. My eldest daughter's now <laughs> needing a bra and there's the bra. Let's, let's do it now. <laughs> but that was my intro to bra. Uh-huh. And it was similar with my period as well. My mum bought a packet of sanitary pads mm-hmm. and showed them to me and just said, I'm putting these in the bathroom cupboard for when it happens. <laughs> And obviously by that stage, I knew what a period was and I knew that it was coming mm-hmm. at some point and I can't remember heaps around what else I knew, but that was the first time that she'd sort of said, okay, it's going to happen soon mm-hmm. and here's, here's the stuff when you need yeah. it. It was just chucked in the cupboard and that was that. Was that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember getting my period for the first time and I was doing the 40-hour famine. Oh, no. And I thought the pain that I was having was that I was starving. And it was like the Saturday and, you know, we'd started yeah. on the Friday night. Like it wasn't even that far into the 40-hour famine. But let me oh, tell you. I, <laughs> I was, And I just, I don't even, like I had to go to my mum and ask for a pad because we hadn't even had that kind of set up, like mm. here you go just in case uh, or when it comes, not just because it's going to come. Um yeah, so I, that was a little bit embarrassing and I have never done the 40-hour famine again, so it's a little bit scarred. <laughs> Fair enough too. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing is obviously some children are more inquisitive than others mm-hmm. and when they start asking questions, especially children who see new babies come into a family, mm. it can be quite common for them to ask questions surrounding that. So one of the big things is answering questions in an age-appropriate manner. Mm. It, tell me more, like... What do you mean? Well, for example, if you are having a baby, so say you've got a toddler mm-hmm. and you're having a baby. Now, depending on the age of your toddler and depending on their you know, maturity level or whatever will depend on what they ask. So if you've got a two-year-old, you will tell them there's a baby in my tummy mm-hmm. and they'll see it grow, but they can't actually cognitively mm. connect that there's actually a baby in there. It's just it's all a bit of a... Um, arbitrary conversation mm-hmm. whereas if they might be four or three it, it does change so if if a toddler says to you how did the baby get in there 
you you wouldn't necessarily say, well, the daddy's got the sperm and the mummy's got the egg and when the mummy and daddy go into bed and the daddy puts his penis into the mummy and then the seed comes out, and you wouldn't necessarily go that drill right too. into that detail. Mm-hmm. Not because you don't want them to know, but you want to give them age-appropriate responses that they can understand. It doesn't mean that they won't ask further questions and, again, depending on the child. So if your toddler says to you, how did the baby get in there? You can answer something like, that's where the baby grows so that the baby can become strong enough before baby comes out. For some kids, that will be enough Mm. of an answer. You don't want to brush their answers off, but you want to engage them in the conversation enough to give them an answer that they can understand at their level, but also that shows them that you are interested in what they want to know and that you're willing to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, this is really important to make yourself the expert Mm. so that they continue to come to you rather than Google, for example. Mm -hmm. So if you're, I remember, (laughs) I remember when I was having my fourth baby and Uh, my second child when she was born was like four and a half and so he had seen me have my third baby as well but he was probably too little to really understand that he would have been more in the um, zone of when's the baby coming Mm -hmm. or how why is the baby in your tummy those kinds of questions but when I had my fourth baby and he was you know four and a half I remember he said to me how does the baby get in there And I gave him an age-appropriate response of, you know, the baby grows in the mummy's tummy until it can get stronger. And then he said, but how does the baby get in there? And I said, well, the daddy has the seed and the mummy has the egg. And when the seed and the egg come together, it makes a baby and the baby grows until it's strong enough. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of responses are age-appropriate. It's not that he can never know Mm -hmm. every detail, but it's just in language that they can understand. And I remember he said, and he is he was a bright kid and some kids will be happy with that answer some won't and he said yes but where is the seed <laughs> and so I explained well the seed is in the dad's body and it comes out of the penis and he says but how does the seed get from the penis into the mummy <laughs> and so I I then had to explain mm. well the daddy has to put his penis into the mum and <laughs> he said to me so what? Does daddy just penis the baby into you? <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember looking at him and just going and thinking, well, I guess that's really what it is. <laughs> so I said, yeah, that's kind of what happened. And I just remember the look on his face was like, it was so cute. It was like, oh, and then, and then he kind of shrugged his shoulders and just left it at that and, and moved on. But making it a normal conversation mm-hmm. I I do remember I had, when I was like a teenager, we had these family friends and they were very open about body stuff, not in a, um, it's okay to talk about it way, but in more of a bit of an over the top way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that always made me feel uncomfortable. So we're not talking about being over the top by talking about the sexual habits of your parents when your kids friends are around Mm, yeah that would be a little bit awkward (laughs) but just making it normal conversation Mm -hmm. so not leaving it to a one-time chat like with my child Mm -hmm. it wasn't just that he came to me and I said yes the daddy penises it into the mummy and that was our one-time chat about Mm -hmm. the birds and the bees it's been an ongoing 
conversation. It's never just, hey, I better tell you about the birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. It's it's ongoing. It's always, it's not that you're talking about the birds and the bees every day, but it's it's ongoing learning. <clears throat> like you would talk about any kind of current event. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about it every day necessarily, but there are new things that you learn and new things that you might talk about. So I think it's really important that it's an ongoing open conversation that your children know that they can come to you with mm-hmm. these ideas. Yeah. I heard one parent say one time that they hadn't really approached this kind of stuff with their kid before and they were kind of just starting out in doing it because they thought that they'd left it a little too late. It's never too late. Mm-hmm. You've just got to make it normal. And so one of the ways that they started having these types of conversations wasn't face-to-face sitting over dinner but more so when they were doing stuff together, mm. like, you know, depending on the age, whether it was colouring in or drawing, whether it was gardening, whether it was driving somewhere, mm-hmm. whether or not you're using another topic and bouncing out of it, whether or not it's as simple as um, you're sitting. I remember one time I was overseas with my family and my kids were little. They were like, I think the eldest was about eight. And I was sitting outside with my boys who were three and six at the time or four, four and six. And it was really stinking hot and I felt like the humidity and I was a bit stinky. And so I sort of gave my armpits a bit of a sniff and said, oh, I'm a bit stinky. I need to have a shower. How about you boys? Are you, have you got stinky armpits? And they kind of had a sniff. And mm-hmm. of course, they don't have the same BO when they're that little. Mm. doesn't mean they don't get stinky, but it's a little bit different. And so that was an easy way to just talk about, oh, one day you're going to get stinky under the armpits, mm-hmm. aren't you? And then you're going to grow hair too. And out of that conversation can just create a thing of, hey, have you checked if you've grown any hair under your armpits yet today or Mm -hmm. this week or this month? It's just, it's a normal part of conversation that that is not just one chat. It's not just, hey, we've had the birds and the bees talk, case closed, done, it's over. Sick. (laughs) My, you know, I hesitate to, to say this, but my eldest daughter will still sometimes talk to me about sex and she obviously knows all the ins and outs of it but there are some things that you don't know and I can remember being a teenager and you watch tv shows or movies that you know where it's implied what they're doing or they're having sex or whatever and the movies never represent stuff Mm -hmm. properly and you know recently she said to me is that how it really happens (laughs) (laughs) after watching it wasn't an explicit movie or anything Uh but you know it's the implied stuff Uh uh-huh What about you? Do you, you've got one girl and one boy Mm -hmm. when it comes to, uh, obviously there's different stuff in terms of puberty and reproductive system that girls and boys know and have to know. Do Mm -hmm. your kids know about the other, like not in terms of personally, but what happens in the other gender? Yeah. I mean, I think like you're saying, it's kind of just natural conversation that happens it hasn't been like a sit down conversation about this is what happens with the you know this is what's going to happen with your brother or your sister or Mm -mm. but I'm also like that doesn't happen but what does happen is you know when we do have to go shopping and buy sanitary pads for my daughter Mm -hmm. we don't do that in secret like if my son's there and it's like oh can you just grab those off the shelf like it's because it's normal it's normal Mm. um for everyone so yeah, I think it's it's just normalising that conversation, isn't it, for both of them rather than it, like, like let's just chat about what's going to happen for you but what happens mm. for both of you and because. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And not making, you know, something like periods just a women's issue mm-hmm. but 
you know, sometimes if I've got my period and I'm feeling like I'm in pain or whatever, I'll talk about it mm-hmm. to the family, not in a whinging way, although probably sometimes they would say I'm whinging, but, <laughs> you know, I'll say things like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling so great because I've got my period or my uterus mm-hmm. is hurting. And then I might make a comment like um, to the girls, but as well as the boys, hey, boys, if you ever have a girlfriend or friends that have got their period, you know, make sure you help them or you're nice to mm. them or <laughs> whatever. Get them a heat and, pack you know, or buy them chocolate. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and you know you can talk about lots of things I know that for some parents who've got young boys they might have already noticed that sometimes either when they're changing their young boy's nappy that the boy has a bit of an erection obviously it's not sexual when they're like that it's Mm -hmm. just a natural part of you know that happens sometimes and talking about that like oh you know if your little boy's getting in or out of the bath and you notice that it's that that's happened mm-hmm. because of the cold or the warm or just blood or whatever you can you can comment on it and just mm-hmm. say, tell them what's happening in their body because that way you can always refer back to it you might yeah. say something like oh your penis has gone hard do you know what that means so good and it will mean different things depending on their age mm-hmm. but it's just really great to start having that conversation and set yourself up as the expert mm-hmm. not only as the expert but as an easy place to get information that's probably bigger than the expert yeah because if 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 you are an easy place to get information if it's not stressful if it's not embarrassing then they'll come to you first rather than going to the internet Mm -hmm. and then when they come to you you can either say oh here's the information or you can say I'm not sure about that let's find this Mm -hmm. out together yeah I've had some really great resources over the years for um, other books that you can read with your child which again, isn't just to have it a one-time conversation, but if, you know, you could give it to your child as out of a conversation or you could read it together or read parts of it together. But I've got a few resources that I've used with my kids about talking about the birds and the bees or how your body works and all of those things, periods. There's a, there's a few great resources that, I'll, that we'll link to mm. in the description. But if you've had ideas or comments or questions about this episode please send us an email to i love you too much to argue at gmail.com and we would love to continue the conversation if you'd like to contribute to further episodes please contact us as well and don't forget to rate and share yay (laughs) thanks see See ya. ya If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, Beck and I would love it if you would rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. Do you have a question about the Enneagram, love and logic or love languages? Do you have a topic you want us to cover? Or would you like to be a guest on this podcast? Please send an email to I love you too much to argue at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at I love you too much to argue podcast. Thanks for listening.